Welcome to Positive Adoption, where you can find adoption, foster care, and trauma-informed parenting all in one place. I'm Kathleen Guire, your host, mother of seven, four through adoption, former National Parent of the Year, author, teacher, and speaker. But more than any of those things, I'm a parent just like you. I know what it's like to raise kiddos from hard places. I used to feel as if I were the only one struggling, and because I felt that way, I isolated myself. I don't want you to feel alone in your parenting journey. So grab a cup of coffee and join me for Positive Adoption, a coffee break podcast. Hi, Kathleen Guire here. Welcome to Positive Adoption. And Sandra is back. Yay! Yay! So, we are talking about the Tiny Handbook, Five Things, a Tiny Handbook for Adoptive and Foster Families. It is a free downloadable on traumainformedparenting.com, formerly thewholehouse.org. So, you can get your copy there. And today, we are going to talk about poor choices in behavior speak what the child is unable to state verbally. Now, I'm going to start with reading a little excerpt from the book, and then I will let Sandra talk about this topic, because I'm sure we both have a lot to say about this topic, right? Yes. My mother had a pressure cooker. Remember those? Not the new fancy ones, the old ones that had the small metal cylinder on the top that wobbled and whistled like it was going to blow to kingdom come. My mother had a love-hate relationship with the pressure cooker and often blew before it did. Any child who was in the living room and wandered into the kitchen right before Mr. Pressure Cooker blew his top got a firm yell from mom, get out of the kitchen! The pressure cooker is on! as if we kids could read the signs of Mr. Pressure Cooker from another room. So our adopted kids are like the pressure cooker. If we learn to see the precursor to a meltdown, we can help them develop strategies to avoid one. The problem is many of these kids who are adopted as older children have no self-regulation powers. These children want to be in control. Trouble is... They feel out of control all the time. They don't know how to tell us. What they wish they could say is, I'm in sensory overload, I'm overwhelmed, and I'm about to blow a gasket. So that is one of the points in the book. But I am going to let Sandra talk about whichever point she would like to. That is a perfect point. Point. I'd love to address that one. I think every every foster and adoptive parent understands this experience. Uh, it's it's we're dealing with behaviors, but they're really symptoms to a greater problem. What is really going on? And my my youngest son, who is 15, I've shared some stories about him and some of the other episodes. Uh, was in school. We had homeschooled for like 16 years. So he was homeschooled for a number of years and it just wasn't working anymore. So about four years ago, we put him in school, our public school 
uh, our district has a phenomenal special education program. He was thriving there. And then COVID. Mm. So last March when COVID happened and everything shut down and he came home, he's really been struggling since then. Very overwhelmed, stressed, anxious, um, all kinds of things. Like I started realizing, because I, I, I started saying to him, I don't think you're wearing your deodorant. Why are you not wearing your deodorant? I can tell. And mm-hmm. he was wearing his deodorant, but he's under st- such stress Mm. that it was causing him to have very strong body odor. Mm. And he was bathing. I was, I was making sure all those things are getting done as far as personal hygiene, but it didn't matter. And I started realizing this is just a sign of him being under such great stress. Our school district opened back up in September, but we are under, I'm in upstate New York, I mentioned before, and the restrictions and the changes because of COVID are just crazy, especially in our district. And they even shortened the school day, but they had Mm. to wear masks every day, all day long, the whole time. Um, No cafeteria, no gym, um, just crazy stuff. So I was picking him up, bringing him to school and picking him up from school so he wouldn't have to wear the mask as much because he'd have to wear it on the bus. But when I would pick him up at the, and it wasn't even the end of the day, it was only just past lunchtime, 1220, I pick him up. He would slap his hand or his backpack on the hood of my car. He would whip the door open. He'd get in. He'd be like really loud and just, just crazy acting. And then I couldn't go anywhere on the way home. We only live five minutes from school, but I'm in town. So I want to stop at the bank or I want to stop at the store and get milk. No, Mm -hmm. we have to go straight home where he would then go to his room and stay in there and not want to come out. And it would, it was just, finally, I realized this. And then I figured out, even though he's in person because he has an IEP, he, they're, they're having to do everything on the Chromebook, even though they're in person in the classroom. So he was so overstimulated and so overwhelmed and stressed that he couldn't take one more thing. He had to come home and just decompress. Right. Is the only way I could really describe it. Now he is better now with words to express how he's feeling. Not great, but better. When we first adopted him for many, many years, it, it wasn't until we were actually doing the TBRI training to become parent trainers that it dawned on me, our son doesn't know how to express his own feelings Mm -hmm. and he really couldn't read other people's feelings either. So we started being really intentional on giving him words Mm -hmm. and we got one of those big posters with all the children's faces and the different emotions, happy, glad, mad, embarrassed, and started working on the identifying, helping him identify what he was feeling. So finally it was you're feeling stressed. You're feeling, you're experiencing stress because he would actually say things in the car. Like my head can't take this anymore. Mm. Wow. And I, we were listening to what he was saying because many years ago he couldn't have even said that he would have just broken something or Mm -hmm. slammed something or, but even now the first week that we were home back in March from COVID, he, he went outside and I couldn't find him anywhere. And we live on a wooded piece of property out in the country. He was out behind the garage with a little hatchet Mm. chopping down a tree. Like he had to, 
And the last time I saw him do that was another time, I think he was in sixth grade and he was in chorus, which is something that just wasn't for him. And it was before their first concert. And his teacher called me from school to say how off he'd been all week long. He was, yeah. you know, a little inappropriate here and there. He was, And as we talked about it, we both came to the realization that, you know what, he's nervous and stressed out about the coming concert. Yeah. So we yeah. didn't have him go to the concert. We found out that, you know, with an IEP, he didn't, he, he's participating in course, but he doesn't have to do the performance. Right. Um, so, but a lot of times our kids don't have words for how they're feeling. It's coming out in behavior. So we exactly. need to teach them words and to express those behaviors in appropriate ways. Right. And, you know, you're talking about that poster. I made cards for our oldest adopted son because his primary emotion was only anger, which is very common for kids. Yeah. That's, that's all they know to go to. And we would practice those going through happy, sad, anxious, you know, so and he began to learn that there were other emotions. And it's interesting you said that about the tree and the, the chorus, because that was my youngest son. He did that. We lived on um, a piece of land, a piece of property, wooded property behind our house. We had about seven and a half acres of woods. And he would just take a hatchet and go out and chop down all the skinny little trees. Yes. And um, at first, my husband was really upset about it because, you know, he grew up on a farm and, you know, knows the name of every tree. And I finally said, what what does it matter? He you know, that was one of the ways that he could release his stress. Now, not an appropriate way in a state park (laughs) and not an appropriate way for an adult just to go out into the woods and chop down random trees. But they're trying to regulate. They're trying to learn new ways of regulation. Now, I homeschooled all my kids, but we belong to a large homeschool co-op, so we had a lot of the same things that that the school has, including uh, theater production. Sometimes twice a year they put on a play, and so my youngest, too, is a lot like your youngest. I don't know why he tried out for the play, but he did, and it was um, Annie. No, it was Oliver. It was Oliver from Oliver Twist, you know, and um, he got the part of, get this, an orphan. (laughs) And he had a white t-shirt that said orphan on it. But every single time he went to practice, the director would come to me and say, he's just not cooperating. He just is, you know, has these behaviors and I'm going to take that one line. He only had one line in the play. I'm going to take that line away from him. So I told Rafael, I'm like, okay, so this is what's going on. She's going to take the line away from you. And he was like, yes, I don't <laughs> want to say anything. Like, do you want to be in the play? For some reason, he wanted to be. So he did, but he didn't have a line. But he didn't know how to verbalize. And I think what it was, was I want to be with this particular friend because he's in the play but I don't want to have to say anything. Right. I just want to stand there on the stage, which is what he did. Very wooden like. And the director was very nice to him afterwards, told him he did a great job. And I'm thinking, no, he didn't. (laughs) But that was okay. But you're so right. We have to teach them what to say. So if you're listening and you're thinking, well, why, why can't they just figure it out themselves? Well, they can't. 
They, they literally cannot figure out how to verbalize. And especially if they've been in a situation or a beginning where they had no voice, they had no choice, they had no say. Especially kids who were in an abusive situation, alcoholics, drugs and stuff, that's chaotic. So you don't really have a voice. You don't know when you're going to eat. You don't know when you're going to sleep. Even if you say you're hungry, that doesn't really matter. That's not listened to. And in an orphanage setting, which I used to think some of the orphanages were doing a great job and they're doing the best they can with what they have. But it also teaches kids that you cannot go to the bathroom when you want to. You have to go when everybody else goes. Or you can't eat when you're hungry. You have to eat when the cafeteria is serving. So then they begin to negate the fact that they have a need. Right. And they don't verbalize the need. And then they have a behavior instead. You know, you think about all those commercials about what is it? The Snickers bar where they're. Yes. Hangry. Yeah. yeah, They're hangry. And how many of us adults are like, okay, I have not eaten for you know, three hours or four hours. Mine's more like two hours. I just can't, you know, but I can say, hey, I need a snack. Well, what if, what if I couldn't say that? What if I didn't know to say that? What if I didn't even know what my body was telling me? What if I was beginning to feel shaky and had a headache, but I didn't know why? Then I might be, then I might start behaving in ways that other people would think is are not appropriate like breaking things chopping down trees in the in the woods and things like that exactly so i have i'm going to read this little list that i made children from hard places struggle with verbalizing their feelings and then i'll let you talk so so here are some tells this is just a very short list by the way Clenched fists, elevated heart rate, which you can teach your kids to recognize that. Stands in close proximity to mom or dad, no matter where they are. I was on so many field trips where my youngest son was like glued to my shoulder. Not touching, I like not really touching because he didn't like the touch. Uh, Swaying back and forth with the hands clasped in front of the chest. Stands ramrod straight and stands in back of the group insists on being carried and clings to mom with a death grip while the other children are playing. I had one child who was um, pretty big for her age and she wanted me to carry her all the time when she was four and five years old. And that was, but it was because she couldn't say, I'm afraid, I'm nervous, I don't know what's going on. I don't feel comfortable. So, that's just a very short list. And another thing that one of my kids used to do, and he still does it as an adult, is walk around the kitchen island while he's talking, like 40 bazillion miles a minute. So there are different tells. And like I said, that's a short list. So you have to observe your child and say, you know, if they are a pressure cooker, what's making that little thing go up and down? So I'll let you talk now, Sandra. Yes, I agree totally with that list. Uh, and, and one thing that just, I found very poignant, uh, recently was my son, my youngest son that I was talking about, he, I've discovered body language when he is nervous about something, he'll sort of fold his arms and like hug himself. So his hands are tucked like right up under 
up mm. into his armpits, right? Yeah. Like, he's, like he's hugging himself. Well, my daughter, the one I mentioned, um, I think in the first episode, who she came to live with us when she was eight, we eventually adopted her. She's now 30 and she got married in October. But uh, in August, we had a bridal shower for her. And I was looking at pictures that a friend of mine took at the bridal shower. And so she's sitting, you know, you put the bride in the center and she's got Mm -hmm. to open gifts. She's sitting and her arms are, she's hugging herself sitting there in this one particular picture. And I realized, I know it was, she does not like being the center of attention. She doesn't like being the focus, being stared at. And that picture just was so telling because she was nervous that she, the bride is the center of attention, right? Right. She was very nervous and stressed out about that. And I was like, wow, that, that is something. So paying attention to their body language uh, because they're not necessarily going to be able to verbalize how they're feeling and be able to identify those feelings. We have to teach them what those feelings are. And, And recently, now that we've had my son home, homeschooling, uh, we got him into a local bowling league for kids because we knew there were a couple of kids from his special ed class that participated in this uh, bowling league. So my husband took him for the first time a couple of weeks ago and his behavior that afternoon before they left, he was driving me crazy, quite Mm. literally. he He was perseverating on this one topic. He was just intense about everything. I, I couldn't wait for him to leave to go bowling. If I <laughs> needed a break. Right. And after they left my, him and my husband left, I was just thinking about thinking about it. And it dawned on me, wait a minute, he's not gone bowling in a bowl. He's been bowling before, but this right. going and joining this league is a brand new thing. Yep. So he's probably nervous. Plus when we, when we brought him home to homeschool him, which was something he really needed and he knew he needed it and he, he didn't want to go back to school. He had sort of a mental health week from school and then was not in a position. He just couldn't go back. Mm-hmm. So, um, he, but he had this thought that my teacher and my friends at school, my classmates are mad at me because I'm not going back. Oh, so he thought, wow. I, I explained, they're probably sad that you're not there, but they're not mad at you. So he knew he was going to see a couple of his classmates at bowling. So after they left is when it dawned on me. First of all, he's probably nervous Mm -hmm. about bowling. And he's nervous about seeing classmates that he thinks are mad at him. Right. So, but he couldn't say, mom, I'm really nervous about this. What if this, what if they don't, he couldn't, he just, he was just intense behavior until they left. But right. when he came home, he had a good time. And I said, were your friends mad at you? No, they're not mad at me. Um, I said, how did you do bowling? I got 102. I said, well, you bowled better than I would have bowled. <laughs> so, but I said, I bet you were nervous before you went. You probably were feeling nervous. And he goes, oh, yes. Ner- I was nervous. Oh, wow. You know, but so I have to yeah. train myself to remember to help him identify those feelings before something like that. I need to realize that he's going to be nervous most likely and help him walk through those feelings because it's going to come out. They're just not able to verbally express it. Just like the pressure cooker. They are these little pressure cookers and they, you know, we don't know what's cooking inside. That's why we have to keep watching. 
We have to watch the tells. We have to watch. And that, I love that story. And you, now he knows, hey, that was nervous. I felt nervous. That was good. Well, um, we're going to wrap it up for today. And thanks for joining us on Positive Adoption. Make sure you hop on over to traumainformedparenting.com, formerly thewholehouse.org, and grab your copy of Five Things. And we will see you next week. Bye. Thanks for listening to Positive Adoption. Make sure you subscribe on thewholehouse.org to receive your gift of five things, a tiny handbook for foster and adoptive families, and receive a monthly newsletter plus updates when new books or courses are released. Please subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Podomatic, Spotify, or YouTube and leave a review so others can find positive adoption and know the value of the show. You're welcome to send an email to me positiveadoption at gmail.com and follow me on social media. You can find me on Facebook and Instagram at The Whole House and Twitter at Kath Guire. Thanks for listening to the show.